Hi, this is Dr. Lat Mansour, your host on HVMM Podcast. This episode, we interviewed Michael Chernow, who is a serial entrepreneur and also a renowned figure in the health and fitness industry. In this episode, he talked about his company, Creatures of Habit, his sobriety journey, and how he overcame addiction. He also shared his breathwork practices, his meditation practices, training regime, as well as his diet and nutrition. So stay tuned and enjoy this episode. Hi, Michael. Welcome to the HBMN podcast. How are nice. you today? I'm great, man. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, how's, how's the weather there in uh, upstate New York? Today is unbelievably beautiful. The weather is uh, abnormally warm for early November. It's uh, like in the mid-60s. Yesterday, it was over 70 degrees. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but, but I do know that it's awesome and warm, and I am certainly not mad at it. Um, so yeah, we're, 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 we're living a good life. It's, it, we get all of the awesome fall and warm weather at the same time. Before, before the vortex, before the Arctic vortex hit again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, as I was prepping, you know, making my prep notes earlier for this episode, I just found out you actually was one of the founder of um, the meatball shop. Yep. So in 2009, so I, I'm not sure if you know, but I did my master's in New York in 2008 to 2010. So I actually have been to the meatball shop and I freaking loved it. Um, so this is, uh, you know, full circle. It's, it's, it's quite nice to, you know, you sort of look back and uh, a decade ago and you're like, that's a shop that I've been to and I really loved it. And I haven't been there since. And you're one of the founders. You know, I uh, thank you first of all, but I, I, I'll say that, uh, if anybody was in New York city in their twenties, thirties or forties in 2010 through 2015, the meatball shop made it onto their rotation of restaurants. Um, it really, it, you know, thank God meatball shop made it through the pandemic, still alive. Um, I mean, we're still going through the pandemic. I shouldn't say made it through, but like made it through the worst of it so far. Um, whereas a lot of my friends in the industry colleagues have not been as fortunate, really tough tough time in the world of restaurants across the board but meatball shop really gave me a platform um you know it's one it's now it's now a, a bit of an iconic new york city spot yeah for sure i think the pandemic has hit very hard and on the you know cpg business on the restaurant business and um, a lot of people are uh, some of my favorite restaurants here in san francisco have closed down for good as well and it's such a shame because they were doing so well and they've got great food and you know what what's life without great food right mm. which you know more i mean my <laughs> life is built around food <laughs> yeah i mean you've got you know your background in culinary and all of that so so let's get straight into this episode and and let's start with talking about your company creatures of habit you've got the hat the, the cap there right you know talking about creatures of habit let's tell the, our audience a little bit about your background like who you are what your passions are and and what's creatures of habit yeah, I think the best way to do this is kind of go through the story and then finish out with what Creatures of Habit is and why it is. I think that my, my, my personal story will paint uh, a really, really, will, will set up the Creatures of Habit um, why, the why of Creatures of Habit really nicely. So I, I grew up in New York City in Manhattan. I spent most of my life in, uh, between Manhattan and Brooklyn in New York City. From as early as I can remember, I've, I've been a, an entrepreneurial thinker. I really love making things, um, creating things, and uh, you know, and doing things. Like I'm a, I'm a maker, I'm a creator, and I'm a doer. And I've been like that since I was a child. You know, when I was five and six years old, I was selling my toys on the corner of 87th Street and Second Avenue with my sister, and uh, you know, created a dog walking business in my neighborhood. You know, by the time I was 11 years old, I was walking like 35 dogs. I've always been, uh, you know, I've always been interested in figuring out ways to um, optimize. I've, I've been, in, I've been the 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 curiosity um, 
that I have as a human being <laughs> is, is somewhat dangerous um, because I'm, I'm, I'm just never not interested in, in learning and doing things that um, I don't know enough about, right? So um, anything that I'm interested in, I really do just go, uh, go at full force. And uh, when I was 12 years old, I got a job in a restaurant in New York City on the Upper East Side of New York City. Uh, ironically, I opened up my first business, the meatball shop. The first restaurant job I ever got was in a place called the Candle Cafe, which was vegan. Um, and so I worked in this vegan restaurant and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the ability to connect with human beings at scale. I love connecting with humans. I think that really is the people are my I think people are my passion. I'm, I'm, I'm 99% convinced that people are my passion, connecting with humans and listening and observing and figuring out ways to, uh, to, to create, to make people's environments and, and experience in, in life better. Uh, I, love, I love that. I think I love hosting people at our, at our house. Our house is like the house that everybody comes to, all the kids and the families. And I just, I love doing that stuff. Um, and I have for a long time. So I worked, I worked in the restaurant business uh, and in the nightlife for many years, from 12 to, to 28. Every single position, front of the house, back of the house, you know, all of them. And then when I was 28, I opened up uh, with a with a best friend from childhood, I opened up the meatball shop um, on, on February 9th, February 9th, two thousand ten. So just just after uh, two thousand nine, we opened up the meatball shop, and it was a home run. It was just like a smash hit. We were cooking meatballs on Jay Leno and Jimmy Fallon and Chelsea Handler, and you know, Good Morning America, Today Show. It was crazy. It just like was like. Pfft. We had no idea what, what, what was coming down the pipe um, with, with the meatball shop, but we knew that we had, we had done something unique and, uh, and, and, and groundbreaking in New York, which is hard to do in the restaurant world. Uh, we paid back our investors very quickly. Before I opened the meatball shop, I should mention that um, I got married when I was 26 to my wife, who's still my wife. We've been together uh, 18 years, um, you know, She's a partner that has never, ever, ever not supported me in in my adventures and my crazy risk taking, uh, you know, strategies of how to walk through life. But we opened up the restaurant. Uh, we raised some more money, and we we opened up five more. And I bring up my wife because I was all I did was work. In that in that period of my life, from 28 till about 33, I I only worked, um, and it was uh, it was a tough time. Uh, it was it was awesome and amazing, but I needed I needed to I, I didn't know the difference between like what efficient work was and just putting all of my eggs into this work basket and not giving any other time for anything else in my life. And I've now and, learned. And I know that how New Yorkers work. New Yorkers, when they work, they work. They, you know, they have no time to rest. And it's a very, I mean, living in New York for two years really opened my eyes on, on the competitiveness of New York City. You know, everyone wants to stand out. Everyone wants to be better than the next person next to you. And it's stressful, right? And it's, yeah. it gets really, and it will, you know, really tie you out over, over a period of time. So I, I definitely get what you mean. Well, there was a moment in time there where, you know, it, it was, it, it was, it was just straight up. I'm just going to say it. It was unhealthy. Now, do I think I needed to do that in order to get to where I'm sitting today? Probably. Uh, I'm, maybe, maybe I could have not worked 18 hours a day. Maybe I could have worked, you know, 12 hours a day and still have had the success but I was young and I didn't know any better and and that's what I did and then one one night my wife took me aside and she said look you know I love you a lot um and I want to keep it that way and the way things are going right now like it's just this isn't this isn't sustainable I don't see you ever and uh I want to you know I want to I want to spend time with you and so that was a big moment for me in my life where I learned that I had to, I learned how to draw a boundary. Uh, and I learned that 
work is very, very important, but not nearly as important as the love I have for the people um, in my family. You know, and I would sacrifice work all day long, and, and I don't care who judges me for this. I would sacrifice work all day long in, 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 in the name of love for my, my wife and my kids, you know, um, and, and my self-love. Self so anyway, so we, 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 you know, we crushed it. We opened up five more restaurants, and then uh, Daniel wanted to open up in Long Island and Connecticut and New Jersey and... I did not. I wanted to open up in Los Angeles and, 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 uh, and Chicago and South Florida and Miami. You know, like I wanted to do the more iconic. Like I wanted to go where the media was, and he, he didn't. And so we could, not, we could not come to terms on that. We could not see eye to eye on that. So I said, hey, and they actually did a whole TV show. to, to <laughs> CNBC did a TV show about this whole entire conversation that I'm delivering right here. So if anybody wants to check it out, actually, uh, they could watch it on uh, CNBC. It was called Consumed the Real Restaurant Business. But uh, I said to Dan, look, man, you know, you guys should buy some of my equity and I will go out and create another restaurant because I knew that I, I at that moment, I felt like I had the confidence, the ability to go out and do a similar thing than right. the meatball shop. And so that's exactly what we did. They bought out a bunch of my equity. I took some, some, I mitigated some of my risk. I took some cash off the table and I went out and uh, launched another restaurant concept called Seymour's, uh, which is a sustainable seafood restaurant that I opened up in 2015, June of 2015. And the exact same thing happened. Uh, opened up the restaurant, super successful, New York Magazine, number one restaurant in New York for seven months in a row. And it was amazing. And it was super humbling um, that I was able to pull off like two anomalies. And, and, um, and I scaled that one. You know, I, I ended up taking on a partner who knew that he was going to buy my equity down the road and he was going to scale it from six restaurants to 60, but that we were going to build the foundation of this brand together. And then in 2019, he bought some of my equity and I began the process for Creatures of Habit. Now, I'll just back up a tiny bit. Uh, when I was 23 years old, I had to make a tough decision in my life and I was heading down a really dark path or I was, I was already down the dark path. I was deep in the dark path, but I was, I was fully addicted to alcohol and drugs. Um, living in New York, working at night, I was just partaking in all the things that, you know, a 23-year-old bartender takes, you know, does at night. Uh, and, um, and I needed to change. Um, and so I, I made a call and I got sober. I asked for help and, you know, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do, uh, get sober. But I, I knew who to ask. I asked them to help me and they introduced me to a couple of guys who helped change my life. Um, these guys took me off the, you know, took me out of the terrible situation that I was in. Uh, they introduced me to fitness. They brought me to a martial arts studio, um, Muay Thai specifically. And they, uh, they said, look, this is like the second day I was like committed to this sobriety thing. They said, look, this is what we're going to do. We're not, we can't do anything for you, but we can help guide you. And the way we're going to, the way we see doing this is, is creating a plan for you, a daily plan that you're just going to do every single day and you're going to get better and better and better. And you're going to, you know, ultimately start to love yourself and, and, and gain respect back. And they said, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to go for a light run. And that run could be a block. That run could be two blocks. That run could be a mile or 10 miles, but you're just going to go and move your body first thing in the morning. When you get back, you're going to eat a big bowl of oatmeal. Um, you need to start putting in, you know, healthy, healthy things into your body. You're so used to uh, putting in unhealthy things on a regular basis. Let's start with something really, really simple, satiating and healthy. You start with oatmeal and then you're going to come to this meeting that we'll meet you at and then we're going to all go to the gym and we're going we're gonna to teach you about discipline and commitment and integrity and how to get back up. Um, and I didn't know what that meant until they started kicking my ass literally. Um, and I had to like actually stand back up and just continue to take an ass whipping every day. Uh, but it made me into the man I am today. And so they gave me this fitness plan. They gave me this nutrition plan. And then they ultimately helped walk me through the sobriety, 
like walk me towards this sobriety journey. And then eventually they introduced me to mindset stuff, meditation and, and prayer. Uh, and so that has been the foundation of my happiness professionally and personally for the last 18 and a half years or 18 plus years when I changed from addict to recovered. And um, I've, I've used my passion for fitness and nutrition and, and mindset um, to really help me get through all the tough times that I've, I've, I've gone through. As an entrepreneur, you know, everybody gratifies. I mean, everybody sort of glorifies this, like, entrepreneurial life. And, yes, there's definitely some amazing components to it, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's fucking hard. It, no matter how you look at it, I'm going through it right now, man. Even though this is my third business and I've had success, it's fucking hard. It's hard, man. There's hard decisions that need to be made all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I, um, when I knew that I was going to create another business, I knew that that next business had to be more aligned with my personal passion for wellness. I knew that I was going to do something in the wellness space. I had been a... You know, I, I competed in Muay Thai kickboxing. I'd run marathons. I was a, a pro bodybuilder. <laughs> Which I will um, ask about later as well, because this is a very, very unique combination, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just like athletics and com competitive athletics for me has become a big part of my life. And I have stuck to that plan of eating oatmeal. Um, anyway, I was going to open up this thing called Creatures of Habit. It was going to be a wellness restaurant, you know, I was, I was sitting at, the, at the, the, the table about to sign a lease in March of 2020 for this amazing space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and, um, you know, grumblings about this weird virus. Uh, I said to my investors, you know, I don't know what's happening here, but we should pause. Like, I'm not going to sign a lease until we really understand what this is. And we all know what happened. You know, it, 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 it stopped all business, um, specifically in, you know, brick and mortar. And so I had to pause. I had to pause and I didn't know what I was going to do. But the one thing that I did know was that Creatures of Habit was, uh, was, was a way for me to uh, tell my story about change, tell my story about um, this idea that, you know, Bad habits almost killed me, and great habits have made me the man I am today. So I live a life of habit. I was going to use the restaurant as obviously a revenue center and a marketing hub and also an incubator for a line of consumer packaged goods. So I was going to use the restaurant as a restaurant, but also make products in the restaurant, put them on the shelf in the restaurant, see what the customers, see what the guests were picking up, and then whatever we saw catching some traction, we were going to invest money in and create for, for retail and direct-to-consumer CPG. Anyway, when the restaurant idea, you know, crashed, I, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go right into CPG. I'm going to go right into CPG. It's a, it's a, it's a, this is a perfect time for me to spend a year working on building out a new business, a new business model. I'd never done it before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in head first, and I'm going to learn. And so I took 200,000 bucks when I came up with this idea um, and I put it in a bank account. And, I, and, and the way I came up with the idea for, you know, what is currently called the protagonist, mm -hmm. um, which is ultimately getting changed uh, on Monday to meal one. Uh, we're changing the name of the product and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, <clears throat> I was on a run at our at, at upstate. We decided I decided to move out of New York City. We moved up to our upstate house. Um, and uh, I was on a run, and I was thinking about what I was going to launch this business, bu this business with CPG-wise. Like, what was I going to do? See, I, didn't, I didn't know the product. Like, what was the product? And then it, I, it just came to me. Oatmeal. I've been eating oatmeal every single day. I am the most dedicated creature of habit you've ever seen in your life. Um, I've been eating oatmeal every single day for literally, at that time, 17 years. Uh, I don't get sick of it. I love it. I've added so many things to my oatmeal concoction every single morning that it's, it's way more than oatmeal. It's like an oatmeal supplement mashup that's just like delicious and, and satiating. And so I was on this run and I said, oh my gosh, this is it. Like every morning I have 
gluten-free oats. I put 30 grams of protein into it. I use chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds. I put pink Himalayan, pink Himalayan salt for electrolytes into it. On the side of that, I've got my probiotic, my digestive enzymes, my vitamin D3, and my omega-3 fatty acids. And that's been my morning forever. It's like nine to 10 different things that I have every single day that I need to have on hand in my house in order to accomplish uh, this awesome start to my day that's just like a mega win for me. And I said, if I can figure out a way to create a pouch that looked like this, um, like, like get all that stuff, all that stuff that I love, like in something like this that people can take with them wherever they want to go, they can make it a bunch of different ways, they can make it hot, they can make it overnight, they can make it, out of, make it into a smoothie, all those awesome ingredients that make me feel really, really good, know that I'm putting something good into my body um, every single day, Man, I've got a kind of a cool business around this and also allows me to tell my story because this was such a pivotal moment in my life. This was like the nutritional win that I needed to change. Like I needed a I needed to ingest something good um, that made me feel like I was putting something good into my body because I'd spent so much time putting bad into my body. <laughs> and uh, and that was it. I put 200 grand into a bank account. I started the process. I spent a year working on it um, and, you know, over 60 different iterations of this thing. And now it's, uh, it's gluten-free oats, 30 grams of plant-based protein, uh, chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, probiotic, really strong, awesome probiotic for, for gut health, digestive enzymes that just helps you digest this product and also throughout the rest of the day. Um, it's, it's sweetened with monk fruit. Um, we did use a little organic maple sugar and stevia that we've now removed. Uh, and so it's a very, very clean product, incredibly delicious, made overnight. You know, you pour it into a jar, you add some almond milk or some water to it, you, you, you mix it up, you throw it in the fridge, you pull it out in the morning, it's just like ready to go. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's creatures of habit, you know, like How we are, try this? I got to get it to you. Yeah, you got to get it to me. I got to try this. I mean, it's such a, it's such a convenient, really, really healthy, delicious way to start your day. Although I know that that would probably can be like the quarter of my carbs of the entire day. But, you know, I would definitely, you know, open to trying it for sure. Well, it's a meal, man. It's not a snack. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a full meal. Um, like you How many eat calories is that? 350. 350, yeah. So you eat this um, for breakfast or like if you work out in the morning, you eat this after your workout. I mean, you're not hungry for four hours. It's like a, this is like a legit meal. If you if you tried to eat this as a snack, you wouldn't be hungry for the meal that you're having after the snack. So you know, like big people, like big dudes that work out a lot, like they might have this as a snack and not be hungry uh, for you know you know three four hours. But normal people that are not like bodybuilders that are cr like putting up you know eating six thousand calories a day. Yeah, this is a full meal. Okay, well, I'll look forward to it. Um, well, first of all, congratulations on your sobriety like journey, and it's really, really inspiring. I have a couple of questions around that, and I have a couple of questions around um, uh, Creatures of Habit, the, the meal as well. But before that, I want to really make a comment on, you know, when you were saying about how you were working so hard and you are neglecting life in general, like, you know, self-care, caring for people around you. And it is so important for us to remember that it is so important for us to take a step back, relax and breathe because I, you know, I've got my, I've got my bachelor's degree, I've got my master's and then I've got my PhD, right? And one would think that, oh, you know, he must really like studying. I mean, it's not easy. It's still hard work. And not until my, until when I did my PhD that I experienced something similar to you where I, I had Bell's palsy half of my face was paralyzed because I was so stressed out. And that was, that lasted a, a whole week. And, and I remember, you know, cycling, because I was in Oxford then in, in the UK and it was cold weather. And, you know, Oxford is a city where you can cycle everywhere and all the students cycle. And I had to cycle to the lab in the morning on a Saturday morning to, you know, do my experiments. And, you know, when you cycle in the, in the cold, you would, 
feel numb, your face would feel numb because, you know, of the cold wind. Usually it will go away after a few minutes when you're indoors. I finished my experiment half an hour later and I'm, I'm like, my face is still numb. I looked at myself in the mirror. It was a scary moment when I'm like, why can't I move my face? Half of my face. And I had two days to mull over it, two days to Google search everything under the sun before I can see my doctor on Monday. And, you know, I search, it, it comes out, all these search results came out from like stroke to cancer to, you know, all the terminal diseases you can think about. Um, but finally, you know, when I went to see the doctor, he said it's Bell's palsy, it's easily solvable. It can have long lasting effect if it's not treated. But, you know, they treated me for a week and it was back to normal. But that was when I, I had realized I, you know, went to my PhD supervisor. I said, hey, look, like this lifestyle is not sustainable. This stress is definitely not healthy for me. I need to revisit how I do experiments, how I structure my days so that I can have a balance and have a healthy, happy life while also achieving what you want me to achieve as your PhD student. Mm. And that, it went, you know, much better since then. And, you know, the rest is history. And then I got my degree and here I am interviewing you. So, so I think, you know, people just need to always remember just because you're young, just because you are able, you know, doesn't mean that you have to push yourself every day without any rest. I That's think, you know, the key is always consistency. The key is always having that goal in mind, having the eyes on the prize, but at the same time, you have a whole life to achieve that. Don't but, compare you know, yourself to other people. I feel like just adding a little bit to that because I, I agree with you, it's so important. You know, I, and some would argue that this is irresponsible. Um, I just honestly don't, like I know what's right for my life at this point. I work, pretty much from 8 a.m. until 5.30 p.m. And I get in my car at 5.30. I most of the time take a work call between driving from my office to my house. And at 5.55 when I pull up in my driveway, I do a little breathing practice to sort of transition from work energy to baseline and then I go into my house and I do not work after that unless it's an absolute emergency and my phone is blowing up and there's like or there's like a massive you know investor thing that I've got to handle I do not work after 6 p.m. ever and I don't work on the weekends and that is because I love my family <laughs> and and that's respectable and that's how it should be because after living you know i've i've, I've grown up in, in asia in malaysia i lived in europe in uk and germany i i now live in the us i did my masters in the us as well so after living in like three different continents i can certainly say that in america the system is that if you don't work 25 hours a day you don't want it hard enough you don't want it bad enough you know, they have that mentality where are you not hungry? If you're hungry, why aren't you working extra hours? Whereas I've seen in, in you know, Europe, for example, there are so many countries that just have like 40 hour week and that's it. Right. And they are as productive, if not happier in life. And that's what I think we should shift towards. It's not that you are not working enough. It's just work efficiently so that you can maximize your time at work or optimize your time at work while optimizing your time with family, your time of self-care, you know, doing stuff that actually is beneficial for you, not just more from a monetary point of view, not from a financial point of view, you know, your health, your mental health, your physical health, your family and your kids and all of that. I think that's very important that people often forget, especially in a very big hustle and bustle city like New York City. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. My wife is Danish. Um, they, uh, yeah, in Denmark, they have very, um, I think they introduced uh, a few years ago, um, how many hours a week is a very short hour a week. Yeah, I mean, everybody's pretty much home at four. Yeah. You know, uh, and I also love the fact that like, most of the people there are just happy to 
work for the government uh, at some level, and uh, there's not it's not this um, intense race to the Rolls Royce. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just that it's not it doesn't exist there. You know, they're not like. You know, I, 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 I really appreciate that. And, and as I've gotten older, I've learned to, you know, I never thought, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think you can sort of, you know, extrapolate the fact that I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm like a hard-charging person. I never thought that living uh, in upstate New York would be something that I could easily acclimate to because I need the, the noise, I need the energy, the... In, you know the stimulation, and the truth is, I surprise myself. I I don't. Um, I don't. I mean, I I know that you know success is 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 very very important to me. Um, I want to be able to have all the experiences with my family that you know anybody could ever dream of having. Like that's like, that's why I. You know, I mean, I love creating. I'm so, you know, I'm a hunter at heart, like discovery. And, and, and like I said, curiosity, lifting up rocks, all those things are very, very, uh, they, they, they make me the guy I am. Uh, but really, aside from that, I want all of this. I, w- I want to be able to experience the coolest shit in the world with my family. Right. <laughs> so right. I want us to be able to have whatever we want. I want us to be able to go on trips all the time. Um eat really good food, you know, and that's what, that's what it is for me. Uh, and so, you know, creatures of habit, I've got a big plan and big vision for it. And there's a lot of cool things happening. Um, and, and, and to be able to say like, Hey man, you know, like, I know you want all these things, Mike, and I'll talk to you about my morning practice. Cause I've got a very, very, you know, pretty structured morning, uh, every day. But I've got this manifestation meditation that I do, and I see exactly what the future looks like, and I know I know exactly what it looks like, um, and it feels like, and and I know, like I believe that I'm gonna do be that person sitting in that chair looking at that mountain view, um, but I I believe that I can do it the way I'm doing it now, mm-hmm. where I'm not. Uh, where I'm not going to be, you know, sitting on my deathbed saying, God, I wish I spent more time with my family. You know, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not. And I'm not going to be the person that said, man, if I only worked a little bit harder, maybe, you know. I'm going to be the person that says, hey, you know, I had a, (laughs) like, for years there was this, everybody used to ask the question, work-life balance. And then there was like five, six years that was like, there's no such thing as work-life balance. Come on, there's no work-life balance. And now I'm back in this place where like, no, actually, there is work-life balance. There is. No matter how you look at it, work is stressful. Fam- no matter how you look at it, if you're running a company or if you're a, you know, a, an executive or a department head or a GM or whatever of a company, it is fucking stressful. It's hard. It is all the time hard. There's always projects that you need to be focused on that, are <clears throat> that run the risk of failing. And if you're afraid of failing... Your job is really hard. Luckily for me, like I run fast at it. <laughs> I run fast at the fear because I know that, you know, the only thing that's on the other side of fear when you get through it is freedom, like success. It's, it's interesting you mentioned fear and failure. And, and I want to bring this back to your sobriety journey as well like you know in that 18 years have you experienced you know the fear and the failure if for people who who are listening to this who are struggling with addiction any form of addiction doesn't mean you know it doesn't have to be uh, alcohol or drugs or any form of addiction if they want to fight it what advice would you give to them to overcome that fear or overcome that fear of the unknown essentially you know they are in their comfort zone they are in their you know, habit, habitual sort of routine, um, what advice would you give them? And the second question is, throughout your journey, are there any things that you discovered that you weren't expecting? That's interesting. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I have a solution for those people. Mm-hmm. I can only speak for myself here, right? Like I cannot speak for the rest of the world. I can only speak through my experience. I know 
firsthand that there is a solution for addiction, specifically addiction with um, drugs, alcohol, sex, food, which all kind of go hand in hand, you know, like they all kind of work together. Um, so I wish that I could say that there was a pill that someone could take that, that would just make it poof, go away. What I'm going to say is very, very hard, very hard, incredibly, incredibly hard because trying to tell somebody who hates themselves, specifically most addicted people, uh, are running from their self-hate and trauma and their trauma most of the time uh, manifests in self-hatred, right? Um, so what I'm going to say is very hard for someone who hates themselves generally. Uh, they've got to start to love themselves. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and the way I learned how to start loving myself when I needed to cross over from a, a person that hid behind rocks to someone who ran directly into the fire was practicing little small habits every morning um, to start my day that made me feel like I've won. That gave me a little tiny little of confidence, little little poof, like, hey man, ooh, that felt good. Like I did something good for myself. That could, that could be as small as just start making your bed every day. Um, to ultimately, ideally, uh, eating better and moving your body. You know, I think this is a good time to walk through my morning routine. Yeah. This is intimidating sure. for most people. So I don't, I, I, I only share this because I want to just like paint the picture of like, this could be what your morning routine looks like at some point for me. And I'll also start by saying this because I do say this often that I think it's really important to know, uh, you know, like positive habits are marathons. They are long-term plays. They are, there's, a, there's an element of instant gratification in some of these habits, but the majority of them take time to play out to their potential in a real way, right? Like addicted to super grateful and sober, at, you know, with a family who he loves and loves him back and businesses and all those things, right? So every morning I wake up at around 4.45, 5 a.m. I don't have an alarm. I just kind of like have, uh, I wake up. I, the first thing I do every single morning is I throw back my eye mask. I look up at the ceiling and I smile from ear to ear like this. And I start listing out things I'm grateful for immediately, right away, right away, like boom, because I know that um, my, my mind has been subconsciously at rest uh, for the last seven and a half hours, and it's ready to start chewing, chewing my ear off as soon as I open my eyes and I become conscious again. Um, and so in order to counter that um, stress, anxiety, that where a lot of us wake up with every day, I immediately smile and start saying how awesome my life is and how awesome today is going to be um, and force optimism and positivity right away. So I do that for about 15 seconds. Then I spring up. I don't like mosey out of bed. Like I spring up, I take off my eye mask, I hang it on my, my headboard and uh, I walk into the bathroom. Uh, I, um, I have a hygiene routine, you know, I, I, I take a piss, I brush my teeth, I floss, I have a whole skincare thing that I do every morning that I love, that I never thought I would be doing, that I would, couldn't live without now. It's like, so I love washing my face and serum and moisturizer and eye cream, you know. Um, I'm, I'm 42, I feel like I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I feel fresh and young and, you know, I'm like, yes, I'm loving myself, man. This is it. For, for those of you who are listening, you know, you don't look this good if you don't put effort in, essentially. You know, you don't, you don't just turn on a camera and then suddenly you're glowing. You know, you, you've got to have to put effort in it. You put effort in. And I do. I do that every day. 
And, uh, and so I, I do this whole skincare thing, and then, um, and then I have a prayer practice that I've been doing for, many, for years and years, almost as long as I'm sober. And so um, I call it prayers and push-ups because <laughs> I pray. Uh, it takes me three to five minutes, and then I go right into moving my body. So I go right into push-ups. I do 50 push-ups straight. And then uh, after I do my 50 push-ups, I do about three minutes of stretching. So I do like a downward dog, an up dog. I do a child's pose. I do cat-cow. Um, and then I, um, I throw on my bathrobe. And I quietly sneak past my wife, who's still sleeping in bed, with one of our children next to her most, night, most mornings. Uh, and then my sauna is, uh, is, is preheated. I've got an infrared sauna that I've been using pretty regularly. And I, uh, I walk downstairs, I grab my 22-ounce uh, jar of water with uh, some electrolytes in it, um, and I walk into the sauna. I sit in the, in the sauna for 35 minutes or so. In the sauna, I, uh, I read. I, the first thing I do is typically read. I meditate, um, and, uh, and I do breath work. And... Um, Right after that, and sometimes I have a, I've, I've got a couple of lunatics <laughs> that I'm friends with. Uh, you know, the founder of uh, this guy Joe DeSena, who's the founder of Spartan Race. Like he and I have like a three day a week standing 5:20 a.m. call that we do. Um, you know, crazy guys that are love the early morning hours, like to check in. And then, uh, and then I so I do that for 35 minutes, and then I go into my cold plunge, and I sit in the cold plunge for five minutes. At which point. I, uh, I walk back into my kitchen. Uh, I've got like a kitchen nook, breakfast nook. I light a candle, really nice scented candle. Um, I'm freezing my ass off, but this is like my way of like warming my body. Um, and I pull out my journal and I, and I journal. And while I'm journaling, um, I've got some coffee going. My son, my older son, Finn, typically wakes up at around 6.15 or so. He walks downstairs and crawls into my arms and uh, I'm lucky for that. It makes me emotional thinking about it that I'm able to have that in my life that where I got a kid, a, a son who loves coming downstairs and hugging his dad in the morning that we just don't even say anything. He just crawls into my arms and we like hug for five minutes and quiet and it's amazing. Um, when the candle's gone, I got my coffee and that's when I go from uh, the self-indulgent, self-love, self-care morning of absolute fucking win after win to family guy. My family comes down. We, we you know, I don't have breakfast early in the morning. I, I eat my meal one after I train. But I hang with the family uh, for a little bit. And sometimes I take my kid to school. Sometimes I don't. Um, three or four days a week, I'll go straight to the office uh, and, and get to my desk at around 8 um, a few days a week, I will go train CrossFit at around 8 and then get to the office around 9.30. Um, and then I have my meal one post-workout every single day. And after all of that, it's 9 a.m. typically, and I am bulletproof. Bulletproof. Doesn't matter what happens. You know... We can control so little. I lose complete control of my life at around 6.15 every morning when my son comes downstairs. Before 6.15, from 4.45 to 6.15, I have absolute, complete, unadulterated control. No one is around to impact my decision-making process. And so people ask me all the time, like, oh, God, you're one of these guys, you wake up early, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, if I didn't have to wake up early, trust me, I wouldn't. The truth of the matter is, I love my life. And I know that I have very little control of what happens around me as soon as other people get involved. So in order to do the things that I know I need to do to succeed as a guy in recovery, but also someone who really, really wants to live life to the fullest... I need that hour and a half to two hours every single morning alone to do it, <laughs> to, to do it. I want to win every day, not like win the race, not like win the war. Like I want to feel good. Mm -hmm. I want to be happy. 
And, and that's how I do it. And so when you ask me what kind of advice can I give someone who's struggling with addiction and potentially would, would really love to find a solution, start, you got to start turning the camera around. Stop caring about making other people really, really happy and people-pleasing um, and start loving yourself. And, it's, and it starts with tiny little things, washing your face, brushing your teeth, flossing your teeth, right? Saying a prayer in the morning, asking for guidance, not asking for things, asking for guidance from the universe. Hey, walk me through how you would want me to walk through. I don't want anything from you. I just want you to guide, you know, like that's what I do in the morning in my prayer. I pray for all my friends and family that they have epic, awesome days every day. I pray for all the people that I struggle with, all the people that have, are difficult for me to deal with. I pray for them, too. Have awesome days every day. Please. So, give, so what I'm hearing, huh? so what I'm, what I'm hearing is you know, the key to, to success here you know, with regards of, of addiction, of, of self-love, is a lot to do with self-awareness, gratefulness, and really investing effort and time into yourselves. Yeah, and because, definitely make sure fitness and nutrition are a big part of it. Yeah. So, you know, being aware as as what Michael just said, you know, really take your thought from a third-person point of view and looking back at yourself and being aware what you're doing, being very intentional and as well as being very um just conscious about your decisions and the result that comes with it so that you can take that good result and be grateful about it. Yeah. And then that would then propel you further to build good habits, you know, because we are creatures of habits. So, you know, the more you build towards the positiveness, the more you will sort of accumulate them. And similarly, if you let yourself go and go towards the negative um, habits, it will build on top of that. I mean, great decisions made consistently over time make great decisions. You know, they just yeah. do. Yeah. And you mentioned about nutrition and fitness as well. So this is something that I wanted to cover because I don't believe there are many people out there who are marathon runners and bodybuilders, right? Because, you know, you, you just look at the physique of these athletes, right? Bodybuilders have really like full, big, you know, muscles, low body fat and possibly even low glycogen, right? When they go for competing, um, they, they're just like very dehydrated. Whereas marathon runners, they are lighter. They are able to, you know, run far, run fast. So tell us a little bit uh, about like, how do you juggle those? Like, how do you switch to those? And what are your training regimes? And, and, and yeah. How well, the truth is, is that I don't do them together. I don't run marathons and compete in bodybuilding. So I ran marathons up until about 2018. Mm -hmm. Running's been a, you know, I mean, running always is, will be a part of my training, but endurance, long distance, super long distance running, I pretty much stopped in 2018 was my last marathon. Okay. Uh, and, then I, and then I got deep into bodybuilding. There are people, I don't know, I really don't know if it's possible to be a competitive, like, actually competing in bodybuilding and competing in, in uh, endurance running. Uh, but I do think that, like, you know, you could, you could, there is one guy <laughs> that, that I know that does this. His name is Nick Bear. He owns Bear Performance Nutrition. He does this. He competes as, an, as, a, as, a, as a marathoner. He doesn't compete as a bodybuilder, um, but he does do both of those things and he competes definitely as a as a as a endurance athlete so I, I you know for me i just enjoy the different modalities i yeah. really love like seeing how far i could take my body challenging myself with something new i always you know i'm not one of these guys that's like hey you need a three month a six month a nine month 12 month plan um, but i do like to have a physical goal a business goal, a family goal, and a, uh, a, a mindset goal um, in my 
you know, on my path at all times. So there's always some sort of thing I'm working on physically, working towards physically. There's always a business thing that I'm working towards, and that could be five-year-out plan, which is currently what it is, right? Like I'm kind of like, you know, we're, we're kind of shooting from the hip in a lot of ways at Creatures of Habit right now. Um, t- but I know that the, I know what the, 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 the trajectory needs to look like in order to hit that five-year plan, five-year goal. Um, family, there's always something I'm working on uh, goal-wise with my family. Now, that could be as simple as a vacation that I'm like, hey, I want this vacation to happen, and I want it to happen in the best possible way. Um, and that could also be like a commitment that I made um, in April, which is uh, non-negotiable date night every night, every week with my wife, non-negotiable, and kids karate on Tuesday afternoons non-negotiable. I've definitely faltered a few times here and there, but I'm pretty damn good. Um, But that's like a family goal. And then a mindset goal is for me right now, really diving deep into breath work, understanding breath work, really using breath work to help propel um, my well-being. Whereas I was, you know, doing a lot of meditation, you know, it was prayer for a very long time. And then I introduced meditation. Meditation became a big part of my life. And now I'm incorporating um, all three, meditation, prayer, and breath work to see how that, uh, you know, changes things up a little bit. Great. Um, so speaking of mindset, what advice would you have for our listeners if, you know, they're just very mentally exhausted from the day? And they don't have that motivation to to work out to you know to realize these goals of theirs. What advice would you give them you know to overcome that? I mean, look, you know, not everybody has to go to the gym and train or go for five mile runs, right? Um, I, I I definitely advise that because I I think that's that's good for everyone. But what I would suggest is just walk. If you are someone who is on meetings all day and there are virtual, you know, Google Meets or Zoom calls or whatever, I promise you that not all of those meetings need you to be there on the visual component. And so what I've started doing pretty regularly is scheduling those Zoom calls uh, just audio for me. And I go, I walk. I try to get 10,000 steps a day. Uh, Super important to me. Right after this call, I'm going on a walk. (laughs) Um, Right after this podcast. And so uh, walking is definitely not only mentally stimulating, but it's it's, people underestimate the physical, um, the, the cardiovascular component to walking. Walking is very, very, very good for cardiovascular health um, and also like moving the body, just moving the body. I mean, there's no, there, you know, sitting down all day is not what we were designed to do. We were designed to move. We were, you know, only in the last couple hundred, you know, 150 years has have chairs become part of our um, makeup, you know. Now we're kind of glued to them. So uh, we were meant to be on our feet. Um, and... Uh, and so I highly recommend walking. And, um, and one other thing that I would just say, if someone's like really mentally, physically exhausted, you know, something that I've been doing for a long time, and now obviously I just mentioned like sort of pumping the gas on it, breath work is really powerful. Uh, and if you need a little bit of a reset, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling overworked, you're just feeling like the walls are kind of caving in around you. There's something that I do. um, There's two different exercises. Very, very simple. One is called box breathing, where you breathe for four seconds in through your nose. You hold your breath at the top of that four seconds. You breathe after that. You hold. So it's four seconds in, a four-second hold, four seconds out of your mouth, nice and slow, and then a four-second hold at the bottom of the breath. And you do that five times. So five rounds of four in, four hold, four out, four hold. Four in, four hold, four out, four hold. It's called box breathing. It um, is an unbelievable way. Do you have to be seated? Do you have to lie down? Um, You can do it honestly. I mean, it's best to be seated, uh, but you can really do it anywhere. You can do it walking. Um, You know, you can do it really anywhere. It's the action of doing it. you know, I learned about this when I was really stressed out about a health thing that I was dealing with a few years ago with Lyme disease. And I was getting my blood pressure, and this doctor was like, whoa, your blood pressure's high. And I was like, 
never really high. You're scaring me. And she was like, um, do me a favor, try this, five rounds of this breath work. I did it, and my blood pressure went straight back down. Boom, that, boom, in, in, in a minute. And I was like, oh my gosh. And she was like, yep, you should do that. You should do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm gonna do that. And so I started incorporating that, you know, intermittently throughout my days. And then another one that I do, which is the breath work that I do before I go from the car to my house every um, after, you know, evening, is I do this double inhale, long, slow exhale. And I do that 10 times. So it kind of looks like this. In through my nose, like... And I blow out all of the air and I bring my stomach in towards my spine. So all of the air is pushed out and then I breathe in my nose right into my belly. I fill my belly with air and then I do another breath into my chest and I fill my whole entire torso with air and then I just slowly let it out. And I do that 10 times and you will be beyond surprised with, you feel euphoric after doing it 10 times for real. Um, it brings you back, like really quickly back to baseline and better. There you go. That's great, great advice for people who, you know, struggling, you know, had a long day and just want to have a break and try this breath work um, advice. Uh, I'll, I'm going to try myself. I've done breath work once. Um, we had a breath work event uh, with HVMN um, in LA. So that was definitely uh, an eye opener on the effects of it, like physiologically and, and mentally as well. So let's finish up by talking a little bit on your meditation practice since you shared your breathwork practice. Because I know a lot of people who are definitely, who are not used to meditation, like me included, before I started meditation, I always thought meditation is just one thing, right? Like you just do it, I don't know how. And you know, there are, then I, I started looking into it. I know there are many types, there are many ways to practice it. Uh, there's manifestation, there's like, um, loving, caring sort of meditation. So what, what do you practice? Uh, that's a great question. I, I, you know, I'm not one of these guys that likes to stick to one thing specifically. Uh, I love to bounce around a little bit. So some days I'll do this guided manifestation meditation that I've been doing for a while. Uh, some days I will just be completely silent and I'll count a hundred breaths. Each breath is in through my nose, out through my mouth is one. In through my nose, out through my mouth is two. Nice and slow. So it takes, that takes about 10 minutes. And I just really try to pay attention to my breath. Um, breathing nice and easily. I'm not like overdoing the breath. I'm not like breathing in heavy and breathing out heavy. I'm just totally chill, cross-legged, um, with my hands flat on my legs. I, I used to try to do this, and it just wasn't comfortable for me. So I just put my hands down on my, on my thighs. Um, and I breathe for 100 breaths. And uh, counting really does help me stay focused on my breath, although I am constantly, you know, it's so interesting. So when I meditate, for some reason, I think of, you know, like an old um, coat, coat, uh, coat rack, like one of those wooden coat racks that, you know, it's, it's a wooden, wooden post, and it's got like four different, you know, things that you can hang your, your jackets on. Um, you know, that you would see like in, in, in like an entryway of a, of a house, of someone's house. Mm -hmm. I, I think of meditation that way where like I'm like the, the post of this wooden coat rack and my thoughts are like the, they're kind of like the, um, the, the hooks or the, the things that you hang your, rat, your, your jacket on. And I think of myself sort of sitting upright and my eyes are closed and I'm breathing and my thoughts are just like, and I'm like, oh shoot. I'm, there, there's a thought. It's taking me out of my, out of my focus. I'm gonna like grab it, bring it right back to the post. <laughs> grab it, bring it right back to the post. It's all good. No judging. Like no, you know. Like I'm like, it's okay. These are my thoughts. Like they're happening. I'm, I'm cool. I'm acknowledging it. I'm like pulling it back in, um, and that's kind of like some weird. For some reason, that's where my head goes when I, when I meditate, especially when my brain starts floating around. Uh, and then I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll check in on Headspace and do a course, a 28-day Headspace course. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the way I've been doing it. Not 
really focused on any one specific. I know a lot of people love transcendental meditation. Um, something that I'll definitely try at some point. Yeah, oh, this, no, by um, the way, I, what I'm sipping on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sipping on ketone IQ for those listeners who are not watching. Um, Michael just just casually pour himself a shot. I, I took one before before our podcast um, recording, so um, I, I'm still you know working on them. I'm probably going to take another shot before I work out later on. But what you said about meditation, um, that's pretty much what I practice as well. But instead of uh, imagining myself as the pole, I imagine a river in front of me. So all these thoughts are it could be waves, it could be big waves, it could be ripples. But the more conscious and more aware I am that these are just thoughts, the easier I am to let them go and not attach any emotional attachment to it. And therefore, I'm at peace. And that really helps me in my day-to-day to be able to differentiate what is stressing me out. Does it really stress me out or am I putting that emotion to it? Is this just a neutral event that I should just let go, that I can do whatever I can but whatever I can't do about it, I should just let it go. Because the stress that is inducing on my well-being is not helpful to the situation, but instead it is actually making me worse in terms of my health. So that, that really helps me. And, mm. and I really hope that you know, I, can, I can learn even more, like develop further, because I'm definitely realizing the cognitive benefits, um, almost like a leveling up experience. Um, that I never knew I could have because I th- always thought, you know, I've, I've got all these degrees, I've, I'm a scientist, I know all these things about physiology, but little that I know that meditation has such profound uh, effect on your brain and your consciousness and how you think about your daily experience, really. Mm. You know, most of the time we let things pass by and, and not think much about it, but then when you're aware, you can be grateful for the things that are good and you can then acknowledge things that are bad and let them pass by without putting a lot of negative emotions into it. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So one last question before we, we, we finish this, this episode um, that I ask all my guests, what does health and modern nutrition mean to you? Health and modern nutrition. Just your personal interpretation of that. Well... We are living in a world of nonstop innovation, where it's a very unique time in history, where innovation is growing at an exponential velocity. And because of that, and because of this like sort of technological boom that we've been in for the last 50 years, I do believe that human beings have suffered in regards to their health. And the cool thing that, I, that we're all witnessing, especially those that are really deeply invested in the world of wellness and health, is that there's optimization now happening in the world of health that has never been um, seen before. Like, you know, Ketone IQ, right? Like, you know, I just posted something the other day. On, uh, I said, I posted a picture of me with, with my ketone IQ, which I love. I'm a f- massive fan. Um, I said, my favorite ketone makers. <laughs> you know, like, you guys are making ketones, right? And that's not something that uh, was ever, you know, possible before. Before you guys sort of came to the, came to the uh, you know, arena with it. And... Um, and so similarly in the tech space, there's, there's, there's exponential growth and, and optimization and innovation. Now um, we're seeing it in, uh, in the world of health and wellness for people to be able to attain sort of ways to optimize their, their happiness through health. Um, and, uh, you know, I have a product that, that, is, uh, that is all in the name of that as well, right? Like I'm trying to give people an opportunity. I'm looking forward to that, by the way. What was that? I'm looking forward to that, by the way. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you to try. Um, you know, but like I'm, I'm similar to what you guys are doing. Like I'm trying to figure out ways to give people a modern, um, you know, a, a a a more modern approach towards their their health uh, in an in a convenient way um, that will give them a leg up, 
right? Give them an edge on, um, on, on not necessarily the competition, but on what the day throws at them, right? Like this is an absolute 100% optimization tool, right? This, this makes you in, in, in seconds, kickstarts um, so many different things in your biology, right? Um, and, and then this, uh, a product that we've known for so many years, you know, oatmeal, um, I've just optimized the living shit out of it and made it incredibly convenient for people to get a quick dose of 30 grams of protein, um, omega-3 fatty acids, which are essential, vitamin D3, which is essential, um, probiotic, which is going to, you know, like all those things I figured out how to make easily attainable that ultimately only optimize. Um, so, you know, like that's my, that's my thought. I don't know if that was too long-winded or if that made sense. No, but, that, um, absolutely. Um, it makes sense. And, and I'm glad you said about, you, you mentioned about convenience because people are willing to pay for convenience. But because food industrialization for the longest time catered for convenience but unhealthy foods. So now we're moving towards convenient and healthy foods. Yep. And I think that's the direction that we should be going anyway. And we should have done that way earlier before all these, you know, chronic diseases prevalence like skyrocket. But now people are starting to realize, you know what, I'm paying for not only the convenience, but also for the health benefits that comes from these food products. I want to, um, for the listeners, I would love for as many people to try this as possible. I want to give a promo code to all the people that um, are listening in. Uh, if they want to use just HVMN15, the number 15, they can get 15% off their first order. Um, you know, you guys have been such supporters of, of me and Creatures of Habit for, from the, you know, for years, actually. Um, and I wanted to reciprocate. Uh, and I also think that, you know, your audience will definitely appreciate this product, Meal One. Thank so, you so HVMN, much. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. HVMN15 number um i was about to to ask you this this last part which is you know offering the platform for you to our listeners where can they find you um and all of that yeah so um creatures of habit is is uh you can find us creatures of habit at creatures of habit on social media it's creatures of habit with a k creatures with a k also creatures of habit.com creatures with a k <clears throat> i personally can be found at at michael chernow pretty much everywhere uh instagram tiktok uh twitter um, and uh, I've got a website, michaelchurnal.com, that totally outdated, so don't bother with that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm head down, all focused on Creatures of Habit. And so between Creatures of Habit, there's also a really cool podcast that we do, the Creatures of Habit podcast. Um, so you can check that out, which is, uh, which is a, great, a great, you know, networking, community building tool for us. Um, it's the Creatures of Habit pod. Yeah, guys, do follow Michael. Um, he, I, I follow him myself even before talking to him and I find his, his content very inspiring for sure. And it's, it's very human, you know, most of all, I think, and I thank you for that, um, to really make it relatable to, to everyone and everyone, you know, struggles with certain you know, issues, problems and all that. And everyone will have good days, bad days, but ultimately, you know, you sharing your journey, you sharing your story, um, and your product um, definitely make you know the world a better place. You know, have have some people who actually care. So uh, thank you so much again for your support on on HVMN and Ketone IQ. Thank you for coming on to the HVMN podcast. Thanks for having me, man. If you have enjoyed the episode, please like, share, and subscribe. And if you have any comments or feedback, please leave it in the comment section. You can find us at HVMN on all social media platform and myself at Lat Manso on all social media platform as well. The HVMN podcast and myself are powered by Ketone IQ, the most effective way for you to elevate your blood ketone levels for optimal cognitive and physical performance, as well as metabolic health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.